Capcom presents. If you would face me, seek me out. Until then, I shall hold your little keepsake safe. There are definitely license plates somewhere in this world. I'm well, the, sure of it. I, well, I, I sympathized as a kid when I saw that bit on, on Simpsons episode with, because, like, I Brett, I don't see Brett a lot. And I know it's not an uncommon name, but I don't see Brett license plates a great deal or Brett mugs or anything. You realize you're talking to Seth, right? I, I don't to know. To Seth. Is that, is that, are you, are you the personification of Seth? <laughs> there, I'm just saying I, I have a little tougher road than Brett, I think. Yeah. My son was. <laughs> my son is also son. named Bort. It's like so mad at him for assuming. So that's clearly what we were thinking of as we begin the seventh episode of the Capcom official podcast, Capcom Unity official podcast, to uh, to further specify which podcast you were listening to. In case you were worried. Yeah. This is not Capcom. This is Capcom Unity. And Greg is looking at Bort image results there, on Google. There are a lot of people with Bort on their license plate. No, I have a friend who is trying to get it on his motorcycle, and like every version of it in California is taken. Like he can't. And motorcycles only have so many slots to work with, and it's like they're all gone. Probably taken up by the Simpsons writers themselves. Yeah. Like, they're probably taken up 15 years ago. Like, <laughs> oh, dude, we got to take Bort. So, uh, Capcom-related things, everybody. Right. Hi, this is uh, Brelston from Capcom Unity, along with two uh, regular recurring... No, I'm not going to say guests. I'm going to say vagrants. <laughs> okay. I am Gregory, also from Capcom Unity. I prefer the term itinerant traveler. Itinerant traveler. <laughs> uh, I'm Seth Killian from... TV Capcom. Seth Killian? That's not well, not yet. Okay, very well. Uh, so we're coming at you this week. This is the episode before Dragon's Dogma uh, finally unleashes its wings, talons, Woo! legs, unfurls, unfurls, and soars across the great blue sky. Um, and then leading into that, like right after that, uh, it's leading up to the week of E3. So we may not have another episode pre E3, um, just because the way everything's going to time out, and then I will also not be in the office for several days. So I'm sorry, everybody. Uh, boring travel, not doing anything specific. He's going to go enjoy the Memorial Day weekend somewhere. <laughs> Sorry. I have to go visit my home. That's all. Non specific. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it up and then going failing away. to specify. Good. I yeah. just want to let you know that something is happening. And you're not invited, and I'm not going to tell you what I'm it is. I'm not going to tell you what it is. When or where? Or Can what? I come? No. no. Can I come too? <laughs> Um, but yeah, so E3 is uh, first week of June, and uh, we'll have a live stream all three days. I'm hoping to get the schedule posted soon as for what exactly we're streaming. But as you might suspect, the games we showed at Captivate, which was RE6, Devil May Cry, and uh, Lost Planet 3, will all be in attendance. And uh, to what degree and to what we're showing is still uh, a mystery. I don't know. I like the way you said attendance. I was imagining them like lining up for their like third grade school picture. Yeah, well, like, I was planning your hairs out of. Come here. Well, they better be in alphabetical like, order. Or so help me, I will turn this car around. <laughs> and we will not go to the park today. Smile. Smile, Lost Planet 3. Oh, you lost your two front teeth. Don't yeah. smile. Ugh. Is, that some, is, that a, is that a Tumblr or a blog or something? Just everybody's pictures of not their two front teeth missing? I feel like everybody has to go through that at some point. It pretty much has to be a Tumblr. Anyway, so that makes this week, uh, just by the timing of it, makes this week's episode uh, a big Dragon's Dogma off. Fest. Oh, yes. And that means I defer to Greg. Greg? I am Dragon's Dogma. and uh, <laughs> Well, we came up with Gregan's Dogma, which I right. feel is pretty okay. I think that's good. Um, He's the resident spokesarism. Yes, I'm the... Sp- <laughs> Indeed. Uh, yeah, Dragon's Dogma. It is looking quite excellent. And by looking, I mean I've been playing it, and it is excellent. And, uh, yeah, you spend a fair amount of time, not, yeah. not just with like debug builds or whatever. You're actually playing the box with copy. actual real-life builds as well. And uh, yeah, super fun. Um, I would pre-order it if I didn't already have it. <laughs> it's a ringing endorsement. I've, worth I've, every dollar you didn't I've, spend yes, on it. Yes, I've pre-played. Yes. Industry fact. Pre-owned. Um, but yeah, just wanted to talk about your business with it so far. <laughs> My bi- Yes, tell me more. <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I've been playing through as a Mystic Knight, which is not actually available from the beginning. Uh, Mystic Knight is a combination, uh, I guess, mage and fighter. 
Um, so they're like a sword and shield kind of fighter kind of guy, except they also use magic in very cool ways. So um, it's the Seth of it is the characters, proverbial Seth from Street Fighter. And don't follow. I don't either. I'm just going along with. Then he has a bunch of powers accumulated from other characters. Yeah, well, this I mean, it's a perfect, perfect cell. There, so the game has three hybrid classes. Okay. Um, Back on your talking the, points. The, like. Yeah. <laughs> the Mystic Knight is the one that I just said, the thing. Fighter and, plus mage. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the uh, Assassin, which is fighter plus uh, strider. So uh, they can actually equip a sword and a shield and daggers and a bow and arrow. So you have a lot of options there. That seems pretty solid. I think they can equip a shield. I'm not 100%. Right. Assassins shouldn't yeah. be carrying shields. Yeah, you'd think that they'd be cooler than that. But they are They are super cool. They can uh, do sort of stealth kills. Yeah. And uh, it lots seems of like counters. It seems, I mean, maybe you can you can elaborate on this now or, or when we get into a larger discussion of the combat. But I think you're saying it sounds like Assassin is the one. If you're wanting the... If you're wanting your character to take the action path that's yeah. you know takes more cues from the the Devil May Cry pedigree that's in the game, yeah, that might be the closest equivalent. There are actually quite a few very subtle nods to Devil May Cry throughout the game. Yeah, uh, no matter who you play as, I've been finding them, you know, just like little things like uh, the way uh, some of the combos work for the fighter and uh, well, actually all the classes I think except maybe the magic users, but um, you have like your your main combo where you just mash attack, but you also have some variants where you uh, sort of insert a pause here or there and you do a different combo. And some of those even look very reminiscent of uh, combos from Dante. Nice. Um, and some other stuff. You're saying like each one has this, you know, the skill trees that each of these characters have and you're, you're playing yeah. with it and the combat kind of opened up with some fun. Yeah, I think uh, one of the most fun things about the game really is sort of exploring what you can do with the different skills because you, you get quite a few for each character class and um, you, uh, you're free to switch those, uh, not on the fly, but anytime that you go into town or there's a few other spots where you can switch out your skills and um, sort of uh, see what works best for you, what works best with what other skills. Um, one thing I've been having a lot of fun with with uh, the Mystic Knight class is they get a skill called the Ruinous Sigil. That's actually the leveled up name. I forget what the original name is. but Probably just Sigil. Something yeah. Sigil. No, because there's other Sigils as well. Uh, inconvenience. <laughs> it's called, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, miffing. Nuisance. Sig- nuisance Sigil. Nuisance Sigil, yeah. Like, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> Minor irritants. And what it is is like you. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the term sigil. I was not, but uh, it's like you you sort of thrust your sword or your mace into the ground because uh, uh, mystic knights can use either, and um, it creates this sort of magic uh, sigil, sigil, which is like a, a radius, of a safety zone around you, and um, anything that touches that is immediately sort of ejected. <laughs> this sort of uh, Launched into the Cascaded, air. yeah, yeah. yeah it launched. You're getting very fancy. I'm it flings I'm people up into the air. It fling, yeah, flung is the word. They get flung. And uh, if you're good, you can. You don't even have to be that good. You just have to like time it right. But if a, if an enemy is right near you and you you uh, cast this thing, they will just launch straight up into the air. And uh, if you time it right, then they'll actually land back in it and then just keep bouncing out and in until they are dead. Because they take damage when they hit the Yeah, ground. they take damage. And uh, you can also do fun things like create the sigil, go out of it, and uh, you know hack at a guy until he's downed, and then pick him up because you can pick up downed enemies, and then just throw him at the sigil, and he'll bounce out again. And you can use that and maybe like put a sigil next to a cliff. Yeah, you mentioned cliff, cliff edge sigils yeah. are also a, a good... And granted, you could, always, you could just throw the guy off the cliff, but it's much more fun to ricochet him off the cliff. Yeah, that, that alone sounds... I, I like the physicality of the game in general. Picking yeah. up things, grabbing <clears throat> things. A lot of action games don't, but you do. But the idea of throwing enemies off cliffs is amazing. Mm-hmm. But the idea of throwing them into essentially a trampoline yeah. for my own amusement is even better. A ruinous yeah, it trampoline. Is ruinous trampoline. I think most trampolines are yes. basically qualify as ruinous. Trampoline <laughs> is a ticking time bomb. And <laughs> I, I challenge anyone in history who has any... Uh, you know, fair number of trampoline memories do not have at least one account of, oh, yeah, that one went really terribly. <laughs> like, everyone, all three of you jump on trampolines at some point in your life, I assume? No. No, actually. No. It's, a, it's more of we, like uh, a rural thing. Right. You know, <laughs> one of the podcast rules is to not, nope, 
Nope. <laughs> Never done that. Never done it. We. <laughs> I've seen YouTube videos. I, I went to a <laughs> birthday it. party once at a, like a child's gymnastics place, which is just like a crazy indoor playground. And mm. there was a trampoline there. And one of the cool things they did is they told you to lie down on it. And then some big like right. burly dude jumps on it and like it bounces you so high that he like catches you. Yep. That's my only experience. That's the problem is when you're... Sounds when unwholesome. You're, when you're left yeah, to your own devices with a trampoline, it's like... You quickly get into that, like, it's basically the the dare equivalent of, like, I bet I can drink this bucket of Ajax before I die. <laughs> like, well, it's like, well, I, what if I sit here Indian style and you all jump at the same time and then I don't catch myself? Or, like, I bet I can bounce up to the top of this tree. <laughs> I bet I can bounce off this across this picnic table into the pool. <laughs> and it just keeps escalating until your legs are broke. And now we're calling the police. Like nice. it, it very quickly gets to, or you, or somebody falls head first in between the springs, or just falls off plane <laughs> on the concrete, or, or this, or it breaks and the springs shoot out like bullets and <laughs> go through walls. And luckily, no one was in there. I mean, I've got no shortage of this. Is a weird wow thing. Like you, it's Midwest, a new like well, most of the country where you have a big backyard. Like well, got to put something in it. Trampoline's cheaper than a pool. Here it goes. A trampoline cheaper than a pool. Cheaper That's than a pool. number one sales <laughs> And it always leads to somebody getting hurt. Like it, and it's to the point now where like my sinuses are so weird and swollen and messed up that even jumping on a trampoline now I can feel my whole skull kind of like yeah shut shudder. So like they're gone for me at this point. But like I had a lot of fun like getting getting a good bounce. Do the two bounces at once where two people jump and you land and you share the same spring up. It rockets you up in the air. And then, of course, if you have any forward or backward trajectory at all, it's like, you know, you have, like, the moment you leave, your feet leave the, the surface, you know already, oh, dead, I'm screwed. And then you have that, like, moment of, like, it's only, like, four seconds in the air, but you know the whole time, gonna hurt, gonna hurt, gonna hurt, gonna hurt, gonna hurt, and then... Your whole eight-year-old wow. life passes in front of you. Which, it doesn't take very long. Yeah. How did I come to this point? How did I... Let this me think moment of, this, of reflection. The decisions that I had. And then we managed to hook up, like, a rope next to it. So, like, I bet I can jump and catch this rope dangling from the wall that we've jacked this thing into the wall and swing on it. And <laughs> why did the rope fly out? And we... Yeah. I'm sure the goblins have that same moment of reflection yeah. right before they I just I'd smash like to, back to earth. I'd by like the to think the night. goblins, you know, would look out for the sigil next time, <laughs> or at least just, <laughs> if they had pawns, maybe they'd know. Yeah, yeah, that was gonna, yeah. yeah. I was but, wondering how you're going to tie this back to dogma. Yeah, well, well. Before we move <laughs> off the the sigil, you, the other thing you mentioned was, I guess, was it the assassin that has like the basically a canceling ability? Was no, that, it's the, that's uh, the, ranger. the ranger. ranger, possibly also the strider. I don't know, but definitely the ranger. And yeah, it's just, it literally is just a cancel. It's called reset. Huh. And, uh, you know, the uh, ranger in particular has a lot of sort of flowery or long animations. Like they have a, I always forget the name of this one. It's called like a thousand kisses or something like that. It's, a, it's meant ironically because you just stab the hell out of your enemy. Like a stinger? It No, it's like you, so you have two daggers, right? And oh, okay. you just like, just corner the uh, enemy and just slash them over and over and over pretty much as long as you want to hammer the button. Um, but even if you just hit the button once, they still go on for a little while and it's like this long drawn out animation. But uh, if you don't want to leave yourself open to other attacks from other enemies, you can just cancel out. Mm-hmm. And uh, you actually level that skill up later on um, to uh, allow you to cancel out of damage animations, which is super useful because... Uh, Sometimes uh, if you're surrounded by enemies and one gets you, you go into a, sort of a stagger and then, uh, you know, they can team up on you. But if you can cancel out of that stagger, then you can get to safety and then shoot them with 10 arrows at once. That's nice. Which is fun. Sounds pretty good. It is quite fun. And were you, Seth, were you able to play at all? I know you were trying to get some time. I had a copy of the game and then I was forced to give it away to a one of these damned Unity members. But, uh, I know. Yeah, they, they took the game right out of my hands. But I'm going to hit up Greg for a, another copy later. I'm not going to have any left to give out to Unity. No. Quite the opposite. I heard you actually defending, like someone in the office was like, hey, can I get one of those Dragon's Dogma? And you were like, I, I, I can't do I that. regret that already. He offered me Max Payne. And I was like... <laughs> yeah, but now they're going to they're going to Unity. Yeah, 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 yeah. Much more important. Yeah, I know. He, he's going to get a copy one way or the other. Of yeah, yeah, exactly. And you're gonna get Max Payne. Don't worry. Yeah. Somehow <laughs> you'll find one of the millions of copies <laughs> printed, and you'll have it. 
But uh, since uh, it's so close to the dogma launch, we should probably stop talking about it. <laughs> it's all good. Those are two very different things. Yeah. No, but actually, I'm genuinely enjoying the hell out of Dragon's Dogma. I've been staying up way past my bedtime to enjoy it. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not an RPG guy, but it's really sort of the, the physicality yeah. of the combat well, and really being there. That's yeah. That's what's going to do it and for that's me. That's the thing. So. Is I'm, I'm totally not an RPG guy. Like, even... I mean, it's closer to a Western RPG. It really is kind of like a Skyrim. Or I haven't actually played Skyrim because I'm so not an RPG guy. But I did like Fallout, and it's closer to something like that than it is to like a JRPG. But um, it really is the action. I think that um, for me keeps me in the game. Like it's super. Yeah, satisfying. our coworker uh, Dave Witcher, who runs submissions for us here, uh, is a big RPG nerd, mm-hmm. and he just came in and said, "I'll I'll say this, man. I I was like, how are you having are you having fun? And he was like. Well, I did play it for about eight hours the first night, and mm-hmm. the first thought I had when I woke up the next day was, "I want to play more Dragons Dogma." Mm-hmm. So wow, that's a good he's sign. like, "That's that's the sign. Like if yeah. I wake up the next day and I really want to play after like totally grinding on it for a while, yeah, that's it's got its hooks in him." This so. is a this is a weird like industry only problem, but any game that comes out in mid or late May always ends up bumping into E three. So like Red Dead Redemption did it a couple years ago, and now Dogma's doing it. Where I'm like, it's a huge game with a big world that I want to spend a lot of time in and just like lose days to mm-hmm. in short fashion. But uh, E3 planning and then the week of and then like for the next two or three days after, it's like there'll be like a week and a half or even two full weeks where I don't get to touch it at all. Just work real hard and get sick. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I do. I go to shows, <laughs> get real sick, work 20 hours a day, don't sleep, yeah. and uh, then I get sick and then I get some gaming in. Okay. Well, get my Street Fighter skills back. I'm losing. I'm aging to the point where I cannot bounce back from that. Once I get sick, as well as I could, like maybe five uh, yeah. years ago. Have, can you remember a time when you've been both hel- healthy and enjoyed gaming? Can you remember? I just want to talk about Michael Jackson's right. less appreciated hits. We could uh, segue into that. Well, instead of doing that, yeah, you posted a video on uh, the pawns. Uh, yeah. More specifically, the app. Oh, is, the Pawn app. Is, yeah, yeah. It's a stealth app that kind of dropped, but <laughs> is actually like, it's an interesting idea that lets you send, like, kind of like how Foursquare works, where you can, uh, it's a free app on iPhone, iPad, and you can, like, check in yeah. at real locations, or uh, where there's, like, quests where it's like, somebody go to Dallas, and you can yeah, send yeah, your yeah. pawn to Dallas, and they travel at, like, 200 miles an hour yeah. to get to Dallas from wherever you are, but then, like, it's posed to you in like a riddle kind of way, like, mm-hmm. and you have to discern. Oh, that's they're talking about Dallas. So then, yeah, you go and like the first thirty people who get there. Yeah, yeah. The thing a, is, there, thing. there's a sort of vaguely competitive element where uh, we'll be giving, we'll have sort of event missions where you have a chance to win uh, DLC codes, and um, the way it works is, you know, you'll you'll send your pawn to a given location or maybe not explicitly given but hinted at like you'll have to solve a riddle and figure out where the location is um and then uh you know they wanted this to be something that uh any anyone anywhere in the world would have a chance at winning at least once so uh you know the quests will take you to all sorts of locations across the world and um i mean obviously the the pawns aren't moving at actual human speed because that would take forever but they they start wherever your phone actually is you know so if the quest takes you to dallas then someone in america is obviously going to have a better chance than someone in like finland but then, then we did one on the test i think that was rome or, or no uh, uh rome. we did uh cairo it was cairo yeah. so someone over there much more likely to get it right and if i woke up push the buttons it's going to take right. them 12 hours to get there which is kind of neat but then you, you there are other rewards you get rift crystals i guess for doing that which you can then spend yeah. in the game or yeah, spend you can, in the or do you spend them in the game or spend them in the app for other pawns you spend them in the app uh yeah. you can yeah you can create pawns um i actually haven't experimented with that too much yet i wonder if you can sort of upgrade your pawns and stuff but i know you can also spend it to upgrade their moving speed okay temporarily. so like you buy your pawn a bike or something yeah <laughs> jetpack or a greyhound Cause, ticket because yeah. 200 miles an hour on foot wasn't good enough so. right, right right can you just like get bit by a radioactive jet and fly faster thank yes. you thank you greg for the humor the 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 token giggle yeah. this very good joke and that's all i had um that was but just yeah. an audio cue that you just <laughs> triggered it's yeah. like a sound bite <laughs> greg chortling yeah. so then moving back into the actual game like how the actual pawn system works. I know you have your main pawn 
and then you have the pawns that you go into the rift to like recruit and they're kind of your like well pawns is a good word for it i suppose yeah but then the main pawn the bit is they can actually go and in you know visit other people's games mm-hmm. um and other people can like rent them out of the uh rift and then when they're in other people's games they can you know participate in quests and they'll yeah. be in their game and when they come back to you when you like next time you log on they'll have potentially been somewhere that you haven't and will like i don't know yeah that, well so yeah yeah it's i think it's uh kind of confusing for a lot of people at first just because uh i can't think of anything that's ever done anything similar to this but um yeah so you have your main pawn right and that's a pawn that you completely customize yourself and that pawn will follow you through the whole game unless you kill him off or whatever and then don't resummon him or her uh but you can also rent out other people's main pawns or they can rent yours and when they rent when they rent your main pawn that pawn becomes a support pawn for them and it goes with them on quests and then it gets whatever items it happens to get when it's when they're playing with it and uh if they take it on a quest it will gain knowledge of that quest and then the next time you play your game your pawn will have uh that quest knowledge and will have those items that he gained in the other person's game. Nice. So, you know, if, if someone else plays a certain quest before you do, by the time you play that quest, your pawn will know all this stuff about, like, where to go, who to talk to, you know, weak points of the enemy. And they'll it's give cool you some kind of, like, audio cue, like, we should talk to this Yeah, they'll be like... So, first of all, when you're... <laughs> I'm sorry, the pawn was interrupting you. Right. Go for it. I was going to say, like, so sometimes in the middle of your quest... You'll hear a pawn go like, "I've gained new quest knowledge." I can't do accents, but <laughs> <laughs> no, that was pretty good. Yeah, and and then like, so what that means is, if you lent that pawn out to someone else, and that person did that quest, that pawn would have the knowledge of that quest. I see. And meanwhile, uh, if the pawn already has knowledge of a quest that you have active, Stop! there'll be like a little red icon over their head that mm-hmm. means that you should I talk to them. Mm-hmm. They're raising their hand in class. They're, yes, quest exactly. class. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Still <laughs> I'm just the, the pawns talk a lot. I guess they they're quite talkative. You can uh, I think yeah. you can. Yeah. No, I'm ready. <laughs> Still hopping. Let me see. Keep it coming. Right. I can. You can turn them off. I, How does that work? I I don't know if you can shut them up completely, but I think you can. <laughs> That's Azure. Sort sorry. of limit. <laughs> he, he would be a killer he's, pawn, he's not a man. Good pawn. But yeah, um, yeah, it's super fun. The game the game is really good at sort of. Uh, I can't think of a better term than stringing you along. I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, it keeps you... There's just, like, a constant influx of loot, you know? And yeah, you're yeah. constantly leveling up. Plenty of that stuff where you're, like, beat an enemy, what do they, what do they drop? Yeah. What does this do? Can I use this somewhere else? What's over that hill? Yeah, that you know, whole and, thing like, the, the, the rate at which you find, like, a new cool weapon or, like, a new skill is, like, just right, you know? In fact, you, you upgrade at a pretty, you know... Sorry. <laughs> you have a text message, Greg? Yes. You upgrade at a pretty, uh, you know, brisk clip. You know, I, I don't think that there's ever any long stretches where like, man, I've been using this stupid uh, level one fire spell forever. Like, right. You, yeah, you get access to a lot of spells pretty early. There's also a, a big I mean, day-night cycle in the game, right? Like, there I mean, is. That's, that plays, it's a little more, it's not like the sun just goes down. Things. No, it's, uh, yeah, playing at night is a very different beast. It's quite dangerous at night. Um, your vision is very limited. There are skills to sort of help out there. Which like, is reminiscent of actual night. Yes. Places that don't have tons of light pollution. Or, uh, and like major, if you will, Simon's Quest, except say, fun. What a terrible yeah. night to have a curse. Yeah, that is exactly what it is. And like... Um, Something really cool is this, um, when you go out at night, there's different enemies. And in particular, you encounter a lot of uh, undead enemies, which are super fun to fight. You've got zombies, and you've also got skeleton warriors. And uh, Wait, that's, that's a thing, isn't it? There was a toy line called Skeleton yeah. Warriors. Great cartoon. No, the, but uh, the forearm skeleton yeah. was kind no. Of I weird. actually never watched it, and it looked terrible. But uh, I like the undead just because I mean, and all that stuff because you really can't see very far. So like, yeah, stuff is coming at you sort of out of nowhere, and you're like, I mean, you're actually you're it's scared yeah, at night. You're it's like, actually where's the castle? I got to get inside the castle walls. Yeah. You know, and I don't want it. Like, it's 
it's as exactly. it should be, right? Yeah, it's, it's scary at night. And then if you want to like quickly, we we announced uh, quickly touch on the Ur Dragon, which is a whole other yeah like, weird, um, weird thing. We're gonna try and show a little bit of that. Uh, I don't know if that'll be before or after if people hear the podcast. It's the, I think it's the same day that it comes out. But um, well, oh wait, no, 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 it's after. Yeah, it'll be yeah, after. Yeah, the, yeah. It'll be after this podcast, but near yeah, the yeah, la- yeah. near the launch of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, the Ur Dragon is a big dragon. It's crusty and purple and gnarly looking, and uh. It's it's another sort of unique idea this game presents where uh, you confront this thing and it's a eight minute battle and it's an asynchronous online battle where the the dragon will sort of shift dimensions and uh, after your eight minutes are up it'll shift into someone else's game hmm. and then they'll fight them and the damage is cumulative until the entire greater dragons dogma gaming community has defeated this ur dragon. And then the person At who which actually point, deals a death blow. Yeah, they get some grand, crazy drop that is super rare. I'm getting and a then, uh, through the looking glass. Looking glass. That's a big mistake. I'm just gonna uh, stop my analogy and just move on. Yes. I was getting a Jabberwocky vibe off of that for some reason. I yes. It's this thing that's like know. dogging you and persisting you, but this big purple dragon. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> A little bit of Puff the Magic Dragon as well. Or Time Bandits. Or, yeah. Time Bandits, fair enough. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, and even if you didn't get the death blow, if you just participated in the, in the fight, you will get a combination of just normal and also rare drops. So... Cool. So that, that'll Something be part. That'll be part of one of the streams. Um, we're gonna show. It'll break, be a very break. small part. Yeah, we're not gonna show the whole fight. Right. Um, yeah. but we're just gonna sort of touch on show. It. Yeah, touch on it. But that's just one of uh one of the you know several streams we want to do for Dogma over the summer, especially you know launch month during June, uh, just to show off like how much is really going on in that game and the fact that you can take Facebook pictures in the game uh, and post them. Like we'll try to think of yeah. some fun stuff to do that with Unity members. So, like everybody who's playing, like keep note of like cool areas you see or enemies or even if somebody's yeah. like head clips through the wall like, <laughs> i want to see it because yeah. it's funny to me there's a million things you can do like i and the game is particularly photogenic as yeah. well i'm constantly finding places where i'm like man and I, i'm actually out of room on my ps3 right now wow and i'm always like man i need to clear off some stuff it's like 4k per picture or something yeah i don't know well, I'm, it's pretty loaded up. Other, th- <laughs> other things. All right, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we'll go into our community interview that, Greg, uh, you also headed up this week. Yes. And uh, then we'll come back and actually talk to uh, someone who's been working with the Dogma team. Yes. And, uh, for our Capcom interview. Be right back. Okay, so uh, this is Greg Man once again. I'm reporting in with Twiggy from Capcom Unity. Some of you guys may recognize him as a Unity mod or just a guy that gets around. So, uh, hey, Twiggy, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, man? Uh, I can't complain. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in San Mateo. Um, so, I guess, first off, uh, why don't you just tell us uh, how you got into Capcom Unity to begin with? Um... I just started going on the site, uh, checking up on uh, news and stuff, Capcom games. I've been playing Capcom games pretty much like my whole life. Cool. So I started checking out uh, Unity, and then I figured, boy, I'm making an account I'm on the site every day anyway. So yeah. that's how it started. Was there a particular game or games that brought you there, or was it just sort of a catch-all Capcom love? Actually, uh, around that time, uh, Street Fighter Four, Resident Evil Five were about to come out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that was uh, more heavily uh, when I started checking it out because uh, I didn't even have an Xbox at the time, and I was like, okay, these two games are coming out fairly close to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, I should buy a new console. Yeah, and that's pretty yeah. much uh, what think, happened. Yeah, that that was a great time for Capcom and just for being a gamer. I think that kind of that probably sold quite a few consoles too. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, that's cool. So, uh, do you mostly stick to Resident Evil and Street Fighter now, or do you kind of run the f- the full gamut and check out all the titles? Pretty much all the titles. I've kind of yeah, I've played Capcom games. Uh, pretty much every Capcom game I'm into. Nice. A little bit of everything. Lost Planet, uh, D- Devil May Cry, Onimusha, uh, things like that. Now we're talking. Uh, uh, do you recall what your first Capcom game ever was? That is tough. Uh, I can't. <laughs> I don't think I can. It was probably uh, Mega Man game, yeah, or something like that. 
That was uh, yeah. really into Mega Man games too. So such a gateway for many of us, I think. So uh, yeah, so you've been on Unity for a few years now. I guess that means definitely. Yeah. What, what is it? Years, huh? What is it that kept bringing you back to the site? Was it mostly the blog, or are were you into the community side, or was it everything? Or well, it's a little bit of both. Because at first it was just a blog. I wasn't more of a. I wasn't really a forum person. Yeah. Um. And I started. I was checking the blog every day and you know posting comments. And eventually, uh, one of the community managers at the time, uh, mm-hmm. Snow, asked me if. Yeah. Uh, he's like, "Well, you're online all the time. You want to help out?" And I was like, <laughs> "Sure." So then I started getting into the forums, and I just kind of fell in love with the whole community thing. And yeah, yeah, that pretty much what kept me coming back. Um, and it's got me to you know, travel and go to events now and meet up with other community members and have fun. Yeah, it's cool to see how, uh, you know, interest kind of snowballs and, uh, you know, people will come in, maybe they're just interested in one game, like they're, you know, they're a Monster Hunter fan. And then the uh, community itself sort of act, acts as like a, I don't know, for lack of a better term, a gateway drug of sorts, you know, and then before you know it, they're into like all these different games and they're in the forums every day and they're like coming out to Evo, you know, and it's just cool yeah, to see I- how... Uh, People yeah, love each other. I definitely wasn't expecting that, you know, when I started coming to the site. Yeah. And it just, you know, one thing led to another, as they say, and that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. Well, that's the magic of it. people online, playing a bunch of games, and then, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, uh, what are you playing lately? Lately, uh, Cross Tekken. I've been playing a lot of uh, Street Fighter Cross Tekken. Nice. That's pretty much what I've been playing uh, most of my time. A little bit of uh, uh, Operation Raccoon City. And... Yeah, now I'm just waiting for uh, Dragon's Dogma and uh, DMC. Um, yeah, Looking we, forward to those two titles. We talked about, a lot about Dragon's Dogma in uh, this very podcast, which uh, is actually all recorded prior to this interview. But uh, <laughs> yeah, um, we oh, talked cool. talked a lot about Dogma. That comes out uh, very soon, and uh, I think a lot of people are holding their breath. But, um, yeah, definitely. I played a little bit of it at uh, Comic-Con, Yeah, uh, which pretty much like the demo that's out now, but... Yeah, it was great. I was just after I played that, I was like, okay, I have to get this game. It's yeah, awesome. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, like we we've showed we've shown the game at a number of events now, and we have that demo out. And even for a downloadable demo, it's fairly long, but uh, it's still just like it's such a big game that like you like hardly even scratch the surface with something like that. Like you, it's hard to really deliver the like like a sample of the experience you get. You know, you have to submerge yourself in it. But uh, yeah, that's so. Uh, that that's something to definitely be excited about. Uh, Cross Tech and uh, do you have a team nailed down? You just kind of like play whoever. I don't really have a team. Um, I have a character. <laughs> oh. Uh, I do. Uh, well, I guess maybe some characters, but I do like uh, Zangief a lot. Okay. And uh, a little bit of Rolento and Ryu. So I guess that could be my team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your three man team. Someone has Pick to give those two characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I had sort of the same thing where it was like, uh, I don't really have a set team. There's one dude I really like, and then a few people that it's like, well, uh, I like you all, sort of, so I'll <laughs> sort of switch you out. Musical chairs, like. Yeah, so who are you using? Uh, well, I'm I'm a big Huarong guy from Tekken. I remember uh, oh, yeah. playing as, as him a lot back in uh, Tekken 3. And, oh, nice, nice. I, I like the weird sort of Street Fighter fused version of Huarong. I think that uh, it, it feels very unique, but still also feels reminiscent of both uh, his character in Tekken and elements of the Street Fighter games. Right, mm-hmm. I play a lot of uh, Yoshimitsu in uh, like Tekken and Soul Calibur series, so I yeah. play him a little bit in Cross Tekken, but it is yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, so. I guess this is the third yeah. uh, series for Yoshimitsu now, or the third franchise. Yeah, just about. Huh? Yeah, I'd like to see <laughs> him in his like own. Like the uh, Morgan of Namco, huh? Yeah, <laughs> he he should have his own action adventure game. Yeah, right. He just helicopters <laughs> around and stabs himself a lot. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, anything else that you're looking forward to on the horizon? Um, looking forward to three. See what comes out of that. Yeah. Um, on that, I guess Evo. If there's anything, sometimes there's a some announcements to be made there, and Evo is always just really exciting to watch and. Oh yeah. Be around stuff like that. I am. I'm hoping that this will be my first Evo ever. Actually. Oh, that'd be great, man! My yeah. first Evo was actually last year. 
Oh yeah. Had a lot of fun. With that. Did yeah. you did you actually uh, participate? Did you? Uh, I didn't. No. <laughs> you didn't. You just kind of went to hang out and uh, see the sights. Yeah, just hang out, meet people. I'm thinking like that, that. Yeah, that might be. Oh, I do. And just like the fact that so many Unity people are going this year, I thought it'd just be fun to go and hang out, you know? Maybe pay, play some games casually on the side, but I'm definitely not the competitive type, as people have probably gathered from my constant failings on the streams. <laughs> do you ever make it out to any of those other events? Do you hit up uh, Comic-Con or PAX or PAX East or any of those? I was at uh, Comic-Con last year. That's right, and... actually. That's, that's where we met, isn't it? Yeah, that's... That... It is where we're actually at. It's all a faint memory. <laughs> Comic-Con is such a crazy and, uh, event, you know? Yeah, it's it's intense, man. There's a lot going on, so... Did you hit up some other events, too? <laughs> so, I haven't done any other... Uh, I haven't gone to any other show besides it's Comic-Con or uh, Evo, but I do, 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 do try to make it out, like, you know, do a trip or two a year. Uh-huh. So, yeah, there should be a PAX, or a PAX East in my future soon. Cool. Definitely. Yeah, I hope you make it out. Well, uh, looks like we're having some weird technical difficulties here. People may have noticed that you sort of went into robot mode for a second there. That's not a uh, Robo Tourette's. That's uh, com that's probably a connection issue. But uh, uh, before we uh, send us off, uh, I wanted to ask for your two song requests, uh, which was uh, which is a official Capcom Unity podcast tradition. What's a song you want to play us in and a song to play you back out? Uh, to play us in, let's do the Mega Man 9 theme. Okay. And to play us out, we can try uh, Ryu's Street Fighter 3 Third Strike song. Oh, man. All right. I got it. I'm going to leave that one to Brett, actually. But he <laughs> he has uh, he has every single <laughs> song at his fingertips, known to man. So, uh, yeah. Well, thanks for joining us, and I'll talk oh, to well. you in the very near future. All right, man. Talk See to you later. You. Thanks a lot for having me. Thanks, Greg, for handling the community interview this week. You're so welcome. We are actually recording that after this part, so... Uh, right. I've uh, done nothing. Interview, interview to come for us, but now it has already happened. Um, so the song, yeah, we try to pick a song uh, to play a uh, community interview in and play the community interview out, so uh, keep that in mind. Uh, if you ever want to be on the community interview, just uh, send Greg or I a PM on Unity, and we'll uh, give you a phone call on Skype conversation put it on the show and then uh, your songs of choice we'll play you in and out um, but now moving on to the second part of the interview segment we actually have another uh, better know a Capcom employee for lack of a better name for this uh, section and he's squinting at me uh, who are we talking to this time uh, I'm Tristan Corbett um, I'm a strategic marketing coordinator here at Capcom um, sort of my big day to day title is Dragon's Dogma so what exactly is a strategic thing so Capcom um, has sort of two flavors of marketing. We have the strategy team and also the tactical marketing team. Um, With Riot Gear and such? Yes, yes, they handle uh, community incidents. Um, <laughs> strategy sort of handles um, pan-Western stuff. So we, we sort of focus on big picture, um, kind of broad marketing initiatives as opposed to our tactical team, which is mainly focused on the US market. But so... You know, we've interviewed someone from licensing. We've interviewed someone from QA and talked about how they got to that position. So, like, what kind of background did you come from to end up here, uh, to end up, like, in this line of work? So, I, I got my start in the industry kind of floating around in, in QA, um, mm -hmm. which is 
a good place to start. It, it gives you a feel for sort of uh, product life cycle and mm-hmm. gives you some insight to how games are made and how long they take and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I started there over at uh, Namco and then moved to Sega for a little while and uh, went back to Namco a few times over summers while I was in school. Um, and I studied communications and marketing um, and then sort of decided that that was where I wanted to end up. And so I took on an internship here at Capcom mm. and then they, they hired me on. Do you work, like what games were you working on prior to this, like QA stuff? Because last, <laughs> like uh, QA we had before, like, you know, I had a hand in Rock Band and he had a hand in uh, some other games. It's just always fun to hear like the path, the games that crisscross uh, through the industry. Yeah. So my, my QA record's actually pretty horrific. Um, despite working at Namco, I never actually got to work on Soul Calibur or Tekken, which is sort of what you you think of when you come in. Um, Instead, my my QA highlight reel is uh, Pac-Man World 3. Uh, I remember um, that one. Which was so flawed, um, and it was was such a difficult game to to get um, the development right on. They actually use that to test people when they come in for the job. Wow. (laughs) So they give you like a really early broken build, and it's so rife with bugs that... Nice. Have used that to to break in the new guys. I remember liking Pac-Man World Two. I actually yeah. do remember playing that back in GameCube uh, PS2 days. Well, then you'll love Three. That's um, what I hear. Hey, but yeah, so I did that. Um, I did uh, Ace Combat on PSP, which wasn't so bad. Um, I reviewed both of those. But by far the the highlight was uh, We Cheer Two. Okay. Oh man. Which. Yeah, they sent cheerleaders around for that, like when the game came out or something, or for preview builds, because they came by our office back when I when it was in the games press, and I remember like, wait, what is going on? Why is our office full of cheerleaders? Yeah, yeah, for um, Cheer. So it's a it's a wee sort of dancing game. Yeah, yeah. Um, licensed music. Um, uh, yeah, it, licensed it was, cheers. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> official it cheers. Was, it was a winner. <laughs> what 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 a summer. So like Man. you said your your day to day's been Dragon's Dogma for I'm guessing the past several months. Uh uh yeah, if actually not a year. Probably more like a year um on, on Dragon's Dogma. So yeah, it's it's been a wild ride. <laughs> <laughs> Anything, uh, any tales of behind the trench in the trench? I guess you don't get behind trenches, but Um, I think for for us, I mean new IP is always really tricky mm. and for for this IP it, it definitely has some unique aspects. The pawn system was always something we sort of were mm-hmm. curious to see how people would react to it. Um, and I think as we're now sort of getting closer to launch and the, the titles reaching kind of a critical mass, it's, it's good to see that people have actually responded to it really well. Mm-hmm. And you see petitions online for people who are saying like, Hey, I don't want co-op. I want the pawn system like, and they have petitions to, to keep it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, which is nice to see. Yep. We were trying to do, uh, we were trying to think of some fun events and stuff. And one of the things I wanted to do is like make a make a Capcom Unity pawn and see what we can do with that. Um, so I tasked that with to Greg to come up with some kind of Unity specific pawn. No, yeah. uh, maybe we can make him look like something or someone, or make him as hideous as possible. I, I was kinda, thinking we should go for hideous as possible. I kind of like that. Oh. St- <laughs> and there are a myriad sort of fish-eyed looks you could employ. There. Yeah. <laughs> How many, uh, is there a mathematical uh, figure we can throw out for the combination of uh, create a character options that are in there? Um, I mean, it's, I, I don't it have seemed, a figure, it but seems, it's, it's it pretty seems vast. vast as yeah. and excessive. Mm-hmm. Uh, where, do, where and how many scars do you want and how long should they be? Yeah, yeah. And how googly-eyed would you like your character to look? Yeah. Stuff like that. I guess thinking about this as, as an actual job like what, what what was your like typical day like working with dogma was it like liaising with other members of the actual development team or you kind of have your fingers in a lot of different pies or yeah i mean it's it, it's pretty varied so we would have like a, a weekly call with the team in japan um but usually have uh i mean we'd be emailing sort of all throughout the week um we would work with our agencies we had two different agencies we were working with um both on the, the video side and also on sort of the other uh aspects of the campaign so key art website stuff like that mm. um so yeah leasing with them um and then you also have first parties to deal with so sony and microsoft if you're doing any kind of promotion with them um i mean it's there's a lot of plates and then how does uh because i know dogma comes with the re6 demo and that goes to uh xbox in july yeah it'll be on xbox in july and then uh on ps3 in september All right which is 
later, but still, <laughs> still a month before, uh, still a month before the launch of the game. Yeah. And one thing I did like about Dogma, and kind of something that gave me a sign that it was going to be good, is that it has a very weird name, and I feel like that's <laughs> kind of consistent with everything that isn't like just looking at titles. Devil May Cry doesn't make any yeah. sense. It's kind of a pun, but not really, or not even a pun, just a play on words or something. It's yeah. sort of. Um, Street Fighter is just literal, like it's you are fighting, and then <laughs> I was street. all in the street, and then I saw Dragon's Dogma, and I'm like, okay, I know that's kind of a cumbersome, like dogma is not a word you see in games a lot, and certainly it, not. It's like what is what is a Dragon's Dogma, but then it's like, well, it's nice alliteration. It rolls off, it actually rolls off the tongue to me, and it sounds super weird. Um, but much like Devil May Cry, it was not necessarily always going to be called that. Uh, I didn't know if there were any other names that Dragon's Dogma had on the table that were being considered before it was settled on a uh, classic Capcom kind of name. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, yeah, like you said, it, it is a, a classic Capcom name in that sense. I mean, Resident <laughs> Evil, like they, what, there you go. what exactly. is that? You know? yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we, sort of, we bounced around a couple different ideas. Um, the Arisen was one of them. Mm. Um, I think we had a few other sort of dragon puns. Um, but ultimately, yeah, the, the director for the game was was pretty set on this particular course of action and um yeah i mean this whole title has been a, a labor of love for him and this was sort of his his swan song so and it's a huge i mean been in production for a long time massive game it's yeah it's been it's a really big undertaking and you know putting together an open world title is always a, a big big job and for this this studio it's the first time they've done this and um yeah we're definitely eager to see how people like it and nice. I, I think they've done a a pretty solid job cool i'm actually i'm I, i'm eager to play it more ever since like the first time i saw it at captivate last year when i was in the press and like that first moment upon called me over to throw me up to catch a griffin in the air and then stab it back down to the ground i'm like i i need more i must play <laughs> this more so and yet a year later i've still barely played any of it despite working here so but now that it's actually out because what well, greg you've been the one kind of more yeah. working on on the community side so but now that it's out i want to pick it up and want to play it and like just get into that world and just get absorbed in it um i think that makes a good summer game honestly something like in high school when i would i'm out i need a game that's going to last me a couple of months minimum mm-hmm. and a game that's that big can you could easily like just eat oh, yeah. out as much as possible yeah, what's what's been fun is I mean, yeah, talking to Greg and, and seeing sort of some of the the early stuff people are posting, early feedback we're getting um, as we get closer to launch is just seeing the stuff people like figure out that even yeah. I wasn't necessarily aware of, um, and and yeah, like some of the stuff we're talking about with the the sigil and stuff that yeah. you're doing. Um, it, I mean, yeah, it's the the combat is it's it is deep. Um, I think it's deceptively simple at first, but like mm-hmm. once you start playing with it and really kind of swap out some skills and see what skills can play off each other. Um, you can do a lot, and, and even now I'm, I'm still learning stuff despite kind of being totally entrenched in the game. Right, yeah. It's, well, it's hard if you're, you're, you're close to it that long to actually look at it with fresh eyes and, and get a new perspective. Yeah, that's the thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what people do with it. Nice. All right, well, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thank you. And uh, we'll actually uh, probably have you on some streams, I'm guessing, in the future regarding Dragon's Quite Dogma. soon, yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll also just, like we said, try to get... Uh, the game is just ripe for playing with the world. Oh, yes. And, uh, trying to do some fun streams throughout the summer and uh, ways to involve the community with that. So, uh, yeah, again, thanks for coming on. And we'll have, uh, obviously, more on Dogma through the year. Cool. Thanks, guys. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Tristan. And now set this tag back in. Yay. And we're going straight into... It's my Digi- time to shine. Digital deals of Greg and Goblins. What do we got going out this week? All right. We got some new DLC out. We have Osura's Wrath, Lost Episodes 1 and 2, which uh, pits Osura against Ryu from Street Fighter, as well as Akuma and Oni, also from Street Fighter. And I got it. Those are awesome. They are quite cool. It's Osura's Wrath. Yeah. It's uh, 199 each or 160 Microsoft points. We also have the new Resident Evil Operation Raccoon City Echo 6 expansion number two DLC, yes. which goes for nine ninety nine or 800 Microsoft points, puts you in the uh, shoes of the Spec Ops, which are the good guys. Yeah, I would like to give a quick shout out to uh, Echo 6 Pack 1, <laughs> which has a me- which we streamed and uh, has a mission in it called I Know Now Why You Cry <laughs> and is about dumping molten lead on Nemesis, which is awesome. Excellent. Um, great, great T2 reference. Yes, very much so. Uh, there's also... 
We also have Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition half off if you buy it on Impulse, which is GameStop's digital distributor. Mm. So that puts it back down to $19.99, and that lasts through May 22nd. Uh, also half off until May 22nd is Final Fight Double Impact on PSN. So you can pick that up for $4.99 now, uh, just through May 22nd. And it also includes... Yeah. Go ahead. Magic Sword? Yes, Magic Sword. Indeed. Also, if you purchase Dragon's Dogma off the Capcom store, which is shop.capcom.com, you get a free customizable Dragon's Dogma bobble bud, which comes with a bunch of sticker sheets so you can make the pawn bobble bud of your choosing. That is a lot of alliteration, the Dragon's Dogma bobble bud. Yeah, I think I pulled it off all right. I, I was impressed. Yeah, and that's, and that's, uh, that's all I got. I'm going to end on a good note. All right, we're going to exit uh, digital deals. <laughs> Actually, doesn't make sense because it's starting to level over, but fair <laughs> enough. So, moving on into the community section of the podcast where we pose questions in the forum, ask, have a little treat in there, free thing, everybody. Seth's giggling. Yeah. Uh, but last week we asked uh, in the forums, uh, last week's question of the well, it's not quite question of the week, but it's question of the, the moment. Buy of the fortnite of the moment. Uh, was do you value your game collection or do you trade stuff in? And it was kind of we would we discussed that uh, prior to that yes. podcast episode six and been like, do you trade stuff in? Do you ca- do you hang on to stuff or is it more important to get more games and play more games or is it more important to have a collection that you can look at and go, yeah, I've I've been doing this for years. This is this is who I am. This is stuff that's important to me. So there's a whole thread of uh, people uh, chiming in on that in the Cap Community forums in the Unity official podcast uh, forum. And I grabbed a couple of answers out of here. Uh, Classic Homer, uh, he says, uh, I treasure all of my gaming items and have a collection that has grown so large I have dressers full with my NES, SNES, N64, and Game Boy games. All these systems are ready to get swapped in when I get the nostalgia itch. My entertainment stand is overflowing with GameCube, PS2, Wii games all I need that all need a shelf to sit on while my PS3, DS, and PSP games are stacking up near my ceiling on the only shelf available. So he's got a lot of games and hangs on to everything. It's- which sounds similar to the boat I'm in. Yeah, likewise. Only I've got games in bags and closets that I really yeah. need to let go. Um, also, Uriel said, uh, I keep every game I love. Precious memories and a great game is always a great game. Plus, I figure I may not be able to play them again for a while, but once I get a little me running around, I would want to share all my goodies. Aww. And that's another angle to consider. Yeah. You can pass these memories on. That uh, is a total lie you guys are telling yourselves. Like I know. Inflicting like 20-year-old games on like a kid who's like, what? Well, I feel like games, It's I, uh, there's still... The screen does nothing when I touch it, and it uh, doesn't well, even correspond to my brain waves. There's, well, there's that. It's, you have to use your hands. Yes. It's a baby's toy. It might be an interesting experiment to uh, sort of wean your child on games generation by generation. Be like, all right, from ages I've, uh, zero to six, oh they can God. only play NES. for the Nazis. I wouldn't have made the cut. <laughs> I yes, <laughs> Cut from the Nazis. Yeah. That's uh, Greg. I really would love the idea of doing a, a Truman Show style study on some kid. Like put them in a room and like, just chronicle their growth, you know, whatever. And then you introduce, you know, let's say Atari 2600 to them at, like, age 5. And then NES at age 7. And then, let's say, Super NES, Genesis era. And then the next thing you show them is, like, PS3, 360. No ever 32-bit anything. I just wonder, I want to watch their minds fly out of the back of their head. <laughs> brains, brains, not minds. Right. I need to see a physical explosion of of awesome coming out of somebody's <laughs> head because of that. Cause I just can't imagine to not watch the actual transition because it, it's totally feasible now. A kid could be playing iOS game, poking on stuff, then goes and plays a Flash game that looks kind of just like a 16-bit thing, mm-hmm. and then they walk over and here's a you know Unreal Engine-powered thing, or here's Dragon's Dogma with this massive open world fighting a skyscraper-sized dragon. It's MT like framework. Empty framework. Shoutouts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To have all this stuff available all at once is like I can't even wrap my head around all those options being there simultaneously because when before it was like no everything's kind of this two D thing and then maybe there's some weird vector graphed vectrix weirdo Star Wars arcade game with lines everywhere maybe that's somewhere I can I can see but in general it's all the same uniform look and then mm-hmm. you can watch the technology grow and now it's no nope, there's thirty different ways to do this. Different inputs, different screens, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Hey. But that also, I guess, means the notion of a collection is kind of why this entire topic came up because so many things are digital. Like the idea of a physical collection becomes 
less and less maybe important to a new generation, which is why I wanted to ask the question. Uh, Yama, one of our mods, said, uh, back in the Super NES days, before GameStop existed, I traded in a bunch of really good games for one crappy game. I learned my lesson and never traded or sold games again. I now have a nice collection of awesome games, although most of my Dreamcast and PS2 collection was stolen, but that is a different story. <laughs> Way to end us on a bummer, Yama. I know. It's to be continued. Hey, Yama. I did have my Game Boy stolen in junior high, and then they stole my games and the carrying case, and then, I guess when you're 12, you're really not smart. Uh, waited about four days and then showed up in class with my Game Boy and clearly my games with my carrying case and was like, look, I got a Game Boy. And I'm like, uh, so that kid stole my Game Boy. And I can tell you that because one of those games has a B written in the corner. Uh, there it is. Yes. I would like to press charges. Now he's running Goldman Sachs. <laughs> yeah. Now he's living high on the hog, making bad decisions every day. Um, and then we had a kind of a counter argument. Excel 2012 says, I'm not the collecting type. I need the money to move on to newer things. Huh. So that's the counter argument there. Yeah. Is that, yeah, you can, in an age of, you know, how much you actually get for trading games in is variable. And I know I sometimes wince when I go in with a stack or even a few things. It's like, I'd rather just have them taking up space than <laughs> the amount of money sometimes you'll get. But. You can sometimes arrange to sell things a certain way to certain people, and maybe they'll be more, you know, get more money for it. But uh, some people just don't care. They just would rather have the money and uh, get something new. Mm-hmm. And then uh, actually, the winner that got a was the the item free item was a Mega Man patch who has not PM'd me back to get this patch. So this is kind of your final notice. Toko Tamer, you won, and you've been replied to in the thread as well. Uh, free patch, Mega Man patch. Otherwise, it's going to pass on to someone else. Um, but your answer was I absolutely value my collection and have yet to trade anything in. I understand why some people trade their old stuff in, but I have a collector mentality and I just can't bring myself to do it no matter how enticing some promotional deals can be. Amassing a collection as time goes on is a lot more fulfilling than blindly trading something in I've already played just so I can get the next latest game faster. Uh, The same goes for game consoles as well. I'm also quite anti-used. I haven't bought a single used game or system in over 10 years. Hmm. I was pretty anti-used as well just because Generally, if you're a collector, I feel that same itch gets scratched when you buy it new because you someone else has had it, then it's like, well, it was in someone else's collection, and it's not mine. It's someone else's that I bought used. And <laughs> So the first game I ever bought used, I think, was Smuggler's Run War Zones for GameCube because I couldn't, uh. I couldn't find it. At the, the time I realized, I was like, well, I love Smuggler's Run. That GameCube one is like a mix of the huh. two things I loved about one and two, so I should probably pick that up. It was at a blockbuster in one of their uh, going out of business sales. Just <laughs> decided, well, I'm going to bite. I could never resist the temptation when I was younger to to buy used because if mm. I bought everything new, I would be getting like one game a year. You know, right. back in the day. I mean, there's some cases like I'm a big NES and Super NES collector, so obviously there's no choice but to. They're all technically yeah. used yeah, in some exactly. fashion, but um, unless there's cases where you can actually find sealed NES games, which I have. Foolish. No, I will not say foolish. I'm very happy with the money I've spent <laughs> on that, but that is a whole other road. Uh, so that brings us to the new question this week, uh, which is kind of a, a, a topic of dogma and actually a conversation we had at lunch today, the three of us. Uh, the question this week is, uh, what non-fighting game do you feel had the best combat mechanics or just best combat overall? Uh, not a one-on-one fighter that just made you really feel part of the action or the physicality or just something about it that made you just... And obviously, Devil May Cry is a... Easy, yeah, e- an easy go-to, uh, which is a totally acceptable answer, but I'm, I'm kind of hoping to just see some other things that maybe right. struck people's mind. Like, we were talking about this pu- the Punisher game from 2004. Yeah. doesn't exactly have what I would call, like, amazing combat mechanics, but the combat made me feel like the Punisher. Yeah. Uh, those instant kills when you get close, the interrogation moves, like, the combat is all I remember from that game. Non-stop punishment. And even though there's no, like, canceling or combos or anything like that, I just... it. It was so intense and made me feel like a part of that world and made me feel that grisly, nasty nature of that character really well. Yeah. Um, I know uh, people are people who are listening may be familiar with my love for DMC and God Hand, but uh, mm. a game I don't talk about enough and that people are probably going to scoff when they hear me mention. I've got my scoff all queued up. I'm just waiting for the scoff to... All right, I want to lean back for this. I need some support. So... Mortal Kombat, wait for it, Shaolin Monks. Shaolin Monks. Monks. That's not bad. It's a 
awesome game. There's a lot of it is game made frightfully by some of my, uh, good friends. Oh, good. Well, man. Well, where did, where did that scoff go? Was it like did ejected into space? No, this is, just shows that Greg was wrong, even about where I'm going to scoff. <laughs> so Greg manages to maintain his perfect track record. <laughs> Uh, no, that was yeah. I played that whole game co-op with a friend. A lot of fun. It's super fun, and you know, it's hard to really pin down why. I don't know. I mean, it has all the cool stuff like juggling that you love from DMC games, mm-hmm. and there's also the fact that it was co-op, which yeah. there's not really any other game like that. But you could do cool stuff like. Yeah, I uh, struggle to think of a comparable, you know, yeah. experience of that kind of game that's co-op the whole way through with such a like emphasis on. The two characters like interacting with each other or yeah. combo moves. Or okay, like pick up a guy and throw him, and then the other guy can catch him and throw him back, and then jump kick that guy in midair. And, and also like super how it, fun. I also like how it ran through the story of MK. Yeah. I guess it took place between one and two. I think that's what was going on in there. And it was just yeah. supposed to fill in some gaps, but it was it was yeah. It it's was a lot like of fun. total fan service, which uh, the Mortal Kombat guys have always been really good about. But yep. you know, like they actually took uh, what were just rumors from the old MK games, yeah. you know, and made them. You know, I can't. Actual, yeah. Seth? Uh, there's a lot of great games. Obviously, God Hand, one of my all-time classics. Yes. Um, Alien vs. Predator actually had amazing oh, yeah. combo engine in it. Uh, so for, weird. For huh. no reason. <laughs> that was amazing. But uh, I got to give the shout-out just on the semi-modern tip to the guys over at Rocksteady for Batman. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I thought that was... Uh, you know, it's just the the controls are very simple. You hold the direction, you hit attack or dodge, or, or rather counter, um, and it's very simple combat. But uh, you you can do a lot with it, especially on on the latest one. They really added a lot, almost too much. I think they they might have gotten a little stepped on their toes a little bit with the the brilliant simplicity of the first uh, Batman Arkham Asylum game. But yeah, you really feel great. There's a lot of motion. You feel like the Batman. There's yeah. a lot of cape twirling, and they did some very smart technical stuff as well with. Uh, using that cape twirl to hide frames and skip yeah. around and, and really keep it feeling crisp and immediate. And uh, you feel like you feel like a badass. So it's yeah. really, really enjoyed that. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting it. And I know a lot of the combat, you know, I know the Shaolin Monks guys, and I, I know a lot of the great combat designers in this industry, but I don't know any of the guys at Rocksteady. So yeah. that was uh, interesting to me to see guys sort of from outside of my world. It's, it's nice to be surprised and say like, oh, I thought I knew everybody that could make a decent combat game. Yeah. <laughs> but it turns out I was wrong and uh, in a great way. So I really enjoyed that and uh, my hat is off to them. Do you think there's any crossover since it's WB that any of those people could have been it's seeped into? Uh... possible, but I think the Rocksteady was pretty independent. So I, true, I yeah. just don't know enough about the team. But uh, yeah, they're, they're, they did a great job. Yeah, the fact that, I mean... Even when I finished Arkham Asylum and all of Arkham City, like you just d- devour those games. Were some really amazing games. But then spent another week just doing the challenge rooms and like trying to get to the top of not the leaderboards in general, but the top of my friends list at least. <laughs> Which you know, as long as there's one other friend who's also trying, that's all it takes. And I'll play for weeks. Yeah. I did it with Need for Speed and Hot Pursuit of just trying to beat everyone's auto log times. Like I'm not trying to beat everyone in the world. I just want to beat all my friends. And as any game that just keeps egging you on like that, and the Arkham Asylum stuff was super good about that. Like the combat was fun. I wanted to keep playing it, even though I've exhausted the story options. It was just so fun to stay in that world, beating up thugs, and the immense satisfaction of the slow motion thunderclap butt punch uh, finish <laughs> finishing move. Whenever the last move you do is in super slow mo, but if there's like a guy downed on the other side of the room, and you do the you know triangle or Y takedown uh-huh. and just Batman torpedoing through the air with a <laughs> if the guy's face down you'll knee him in the back and Batman's like sitting on him backwards and then rears back with the biceps the size of most people's thighs and boom fist into butt and just <laughs> oh, and the guy and then the thug like grabs his head like oh no th- thrashes around like I never I'm never not laughing until I have tears every time those things all come together. Because it's not every time. It's like a very specific thing. And you can't really even set it up. It's just sweet surprise. You realize about two seconds before it happens, oh, God, it's going to be it. And just sit back. I have to enjoy this. And then, uh, <laughs> that guy will never sit again. It's great. <laughs> so uh, let us know. Uh, the crime other... doesn't pay. Crime doesn't pay. Get punched in the butt. <laughs> um so let us know uh, what you think. A uh, non-fighting game, you feel had the best combat mechanics, uh, just most fun combat or or just really pulled you into the world. I also did want to give a quick shout-out to uh, 
it seems obvious, but also kind of not. Resident Evil Four, uh, and it's not quite the same thing. But how many how many little things were introduced in that one it, total shift in the series, but also just third person mm-hmm. shooters in general, like being able to not just shoot the heads, but like shooting the legs, so they have to take a knee, which lets you run up and do a CQC. And sometimes even follow it up with a second one. Or if you're in mercenaries, someone you know you can follow it up with another one. Mm-hmm. Or something contextual, depending on if you're near another item or whatever. But then also how enemies are introduced to screw you up and to play with your assumption that you are now powerful. So then like the uh, regenerators or the Iron Maidens show up, and you just think, oh, I'll shoot them in the knee. This isn't doing a headshot. That doesn't do anything. And you put on the thermal scope and realize they have these parasites on them. It's it's both creepy and weird, which is good Resident Evil, but then it's also tense and action, which is a great shooter mechanic. And there's just so many little things are are, are shooting. Uh, they'll throw a pitchfork at you, and you can shoot that thing out of the air. Just so many little things to mm. just screw them up. That uh, I I really loved. Uh, uh, so much fun suplexing guys till their heads pop. <laughs> so cool. Um, but yeah, let us know in the in the forums a uh, community question non fighting game, and I'll. Uh, We'll have some other trinket to hand out. It will not be the Mega Man patch, so I'll pass that on to someone else. But, uh, yeah, let us know, and I'll have something else in there. And, again, thanks for listening. This is the uh, last episode probably till we see everyone at E3. Um, so a lot of the mods will be at E3. To, we can say hi in person, finally. Yeah, that'll be cool. Definitely. And uh, we'll also have a stream all three days of E3. So hopefully we'll have a schedule for that soon. A lot of details there. Obviously, it's a big show for the, for the industry and Capcom especially. And uh, a lot of cool streams, do some giveaways, and uh, also uh, this posts on Friday, May 18th. It's also the day of our Mega Man 5 stream, uh, oh, yeah. complete playthrough, which we do have a box copy of Rockman 5, oh. uh, courtesy of the Mega Man, Heat Man. Net- courtesy of Heat Man at the Mega Man Network, which is awesome. Uh, I actually re- was asking online, like, man, I would love to give away a sealed copy of Mega Man 5. It'd be great. Um, couldn't find one of those, but he was like, well, I can do, one- I can do. You know, kind of one better. Yeah, uh, the some version is better. Uh, yeah, like I would never even thought to ask for Rockman Five. Yeah, and it's boxed. The box is in great shape. Everything is inside that thing. It's it's beautiful. Uh, so check out that stream. They're one of my favorite things we ever do in the building is streaming those Mega Man games all the way through. It's a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then Greg obviously take Mega Man Six in June. Oh boy. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening and taking us out is the Mega Man Five credits music. So enjoy. It's one of the best pieces of music man has ever written. And I'll talk to you later. Bye.